So it's good to be with all of y'all again. Um, and of course, we always need a good joke. So you'll have to look for it somewhere else. <laughs> my jokes are not good, but they're still kind of fun. Um, so here you go. Here's your joke for the day, which is kind of eh, a little shady, sketchy, maybe not really. Um, which is faster, hot or cold? Hot, because you can catch a cold. And what do you call two birds that stick together? Velcros. <laughs> You're like, we didn't come for comedy hour. Let's get on with something meaningful and helpful rather than these corny jokes. So um, I'd like to invite you to turn to John chapter 10. And uh, we're going to be looking. I'm really pretty excited about this message because it's been, it's been in my heart stirring in my heart for quite a while, and it still, it continues to stir in my heart, and actually, I sense God dealing with me on this message pretty much every morning, um, not for a sermon, but just for my personal um, growth and, and uh, connection with Christ, and so um, I find it really interesting. In John chapter 10, this is verses 1 through 18, um, this is where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And I think it's a great, it's a great collection of verses. What he says is fantastic in it. And I don't know about you, but I come back to these verses. Jesus is my good shepherd. You know, he helps me. He guides me. And, and I love all of it. But I don't know, probably around six, nine months ago, I started to sit in this, these verses um, for rather than just reading through them, you know, like, oh, read them and then move on in daily Bible reading time or whatever. I started to just sit in them and read them every day, slowly, and just for just to absorb them um, for, I don't know, a month, two months, something like that. And so it really started to settle into my heart. And it was interesting because when I look at these verses, and, you know, when we look in our Bibles, we have chapters and verses because that helps us find things. But when it was originally written, they didn't write them with chapters and verses. It was all continuous. And so I think it's really important for us to look at what's the context, right? Jesus didn't just kind of like pop out behind a curtain and say, hey, I am the good shepherd. He didn't do that. There's a context to chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And the context starts in chapter 9. Um, and this is really interesting because in chapter 9, this is where Jesus heals the man who was blind, and there's a big brouhaha with all the religious leaders because they're like, you can't do that on the Sabbath and all this stuff. But interestingly enough, if you go to the end of chapter 9, the Pharisees are talking with Jesus. And they're having this big tension conflict trying to resolve healing on the Sabbath versus, you know, not healing. And Jesus is like, you guys have it all mixed up. And the Pharisees say to Jesus in chapter 9, verse 40, those of the Pharisees who were with him heard him talk about these things and said, we are not blind, are we? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, we see your sin remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. And I'm putting those together. So I went from the end of chapter 9, and I started, because when this was written, it was continuous. And so we have to think about when Jesus does all this 
I am the good shepherd, you know, and anybody who climbs in in a different way is a thief and a robber. He's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to religious people. And sometimes we are religious people. And you're like, no, that's not right. You didn't come here to insult us, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I just, I think, and I'll put myself right in the thick of this. You know, I grew up pastor's kid, sleeping under pews. I was practically born in church. And so I, I have church coming out of my ears, right? I, I ooze church. And I, I never want to think that I am one of those Pharisees. But if I'm not careful sometimes, my denial can really be problematic. And I think what we really have to keep in mind here, and I think what immunizes us from being a Pharisee is being full on in love with Jesus. Just Jesus, right? And so when I think about these verses, I really am challenged. It really challenges, provokes me that I want to hear what Jesus is saying and not just that's for somebody else. Oh, that's for them, not me. But rather the whole thing is for me. No matter what. And I don't step on my toes. I don't, whatever. I, I just want Jesus. And so when we look at the structure here in chapter 10, and he starts moving into, truly, truly, I say to you, and this is chapter 10, verse 1, he who doesn't enter by the door of the fold of the sheep, climbs in another way, is a thief and a robber. He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. If Jesus is my shepherd, he calls me by name, and I follow him. And as you keep going, it says this, his sheep know his voice, and the voice of a stranger, they don't follow. And I, I wanna, I've called this message sheep, shepherds, and shams. Sheep, shepherds, and shams. And I want to point out to you that in these verses, Jesus, you know, let's put ourselves in the sheep category because we're all sheep. Easy. And uh, in case you weren't clear, sheep are not super brilliant. <laughs> I have a friend. She, she grew up, her family did sheep up in Montana. And she just would tell me flat out, Sarah, sheep are the dumbest animals on the planet. If they get rolled over, you have to tip them back on their feet because they'll blow up and explode from gas. They can't get themselves back right side. You know, they're like dumb as a brick. And so that kind of gives me a lot of freedom, you know, to think I am that sheep. <laughs> I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't have to measure up. It's okay. It's okay to be who I am and celebrate where I'm at with it. But what Jesus says, you're like, that's not really right. Well, I don't know. But I think it helps us to really absorb and just kind of level set. Okay, I can. it's okay to be relaxed, to be you know, be, make mistakes, not know, it's all right, because Jesus knows my name. And he call, calls you by name. In these verses, I want to talk to you about a couple of, of key figures. Because Jesus identifies, he says, he talks about a thief and a robber in verse 1. A thief and a robber. And I'm going to give you a list of shams. list of shams. A thief is where we have our name kleptomaniac. It's klepto. In Greek, it's klepto. A robber, this word in Greek, is lesteo. And we kind of have our word molest from lesteo, 
And what it means in the Greek is it's not only somebody who steals, but it's somebody who's violent and hurtful. So on the road to Jericho, remember the guy that was the um, Good Samaritan and that whole parable, and the guy that got jumped by, by thieves? The word in the Greek is lesteo. So these are guys that jump the dude, they beat him up, they leave him for half dead, and they take everything. So when Jesus is a thief and a robber, he's talking about not only somebody who steals, but also somebody who steals and injures at the same time. And then if you keep going, he says a stranger. He talks about the stranger's voice. The sheep will not follow the stranger. And this is a voice that you don't recognize. It's neutral, not necessarily hurtful, just a neutral voice. And then he also talks, as you keep going in there, he says the hireling. When the hireling for the sheep is not the shepherd, just a hireling, somebody who kind of is a fill-in, right? When the shepherd takes a pause, then a substitute shepherd is a hireling. But the hireling runs away when the wolf shows up. And so you have the thief, the robber, the stranger, the hireling, and you have the wolf. And the wolf is super hurtful. So among those five, three of the five, the thief, the robber, and the wolf, they're all hurtful. They're destructive. They're not beneficial. And then you have neutral. The neutral would be the stranger. Okay, not hurtful, just kind of ambivalent. Not giving anything, not any value added, and kind of just in it for the money. Right? They're hireling. And then, or sorry, the, the stranger and the hireling. The hireling is neutral as well, in it for the money. So you have these, and I call these shams, because they're not shepherds. They're shams, right? Make sense to you? And you're like, well, what does that mean to me? Where are we going with this? And why, why are you bringing up these things? Because in this verse, and Jesus gives the contrast. I am the shepherd, but these are shams. And when he talks about these shams, I want us to think for a moment in our life. You know, you see, you're like, well, I don't have any, I don't have any like thieves coming and maybe somebody's broken into your house. And we tend to think in very concrete terms, right? A thief comes or, you know, I didn't have anybody like break in and beat me up or, you know, I don't, strangers. I know there's a lot of strangers out there, stranger danger, you know. But what, is this, what does this mean? What does this look like? How does it relate to me? Whatever it was today, the 13th, yeah. November the 13th on Sunday morning here in Colorado Springs. So here's something I'd like for you to think about. We would not intentionally let a thief into our house, right? Stupid. I wouldn't intentionally hang out uh, in a place where I, would gonna, where I was going to get jumped and injured, right? I'm not going to do that. And a wolf. I'm going to stay away from wolves and things that are hurtful. <coughs> So intentionally, we don't do that. But I want to say, I want us to think about, are there results, are there consequences in your life that are hurtful to you? Are there things that you walk in, you have in your life that are, that are destructive, that are hurtful to you, that take away, that deplete, that create scarcity? Are there things in your life that you perhaps allow, even in your own thinking, things that you might watch, things that you might entertain, things that you might look through on Instagram, if you follow, whatever. What, are there things in your life 
that have that that are results that result in scarcity, that result in injury, that result in some kind of brokenness. Because if there if you see those results in your life, then it's possible you're following a sham rather than the shepherd. So, and this gets really exciting. <laughs> You're like, ooh, this is going to make me twitchy. Maybe, not really. Um, I know there's a season in my life when, and I'll, and I'll tell you straight out, I was a, a junior in high school, and I wanted to make sure that I was really, really following God. I was passionate about God. I was, like, really committed and devoted, reading my Bible every day, and I was, you know, I'm a junior in high school, and so I had a carpool, and I wanted to make sure that I was righteous and upstanding and, and holy and pure, everything before God. And I remember I had a carpool, and I had friends in school, but I was really, because I was so passionate about following God, and I didn't want to get, you know, tainted or anything, I became, on the other side, hyper-religious, and my behavior was such that my carpool, I'd, they'd come in my car. And, you know, you're 16, right? 16, driving in your carpool. And, and the music that we listened to, I was really adamant. We're not doing any radio because, you know, what's on the radio is sinful. And it doesn't have righteous attitudes, you know. And they say things that are, like, not good. And so I was really ardent and adamant. We're not listening to the radio. And, and then I got even so hyped up that I was like, we're not going to listen to even Christian music because the words are distracting us from Jesus, you know. And, and so finally, I landed on, we're listening to Maranatha 7. You know, do you remember back in the day, Maranatha 7? Does that sound familiar to you? Hello. I love that one. I was like, we're playing that. And I have my friends in the car, right? And they're like, are we smoking? This is the weirdest thing on the planet. What is wrong with you? Settle yourself down. And I'm saying that to say that sometimes I think we can get religious. And some of that religion and some of that what seems like hyper-ardent devotion can really be hurtful. Because I'll tell you right now, none of those people in my carpool was super attracted to Jesus because of my behavior. They were Jesus. They were repelled from Jesus because I was so. And and I bring that to your attention because remember Jesus is talking to Pharisees. He's talking to religious people, and he's telling them, "Look, if you are missing the plot of redemption and life and healing and vibrancy and vitality and life abundantly, if you're missing that, then you're a sham." You're a sham. The point of all this is that we love Jesus. We fall in love with Jesus. We let Jesus be our shepherd to lead, to guide us, to direct us. Remember, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I have come to give you life, and life more abundantly. And so I bring it to your attention because I think there are results in our life, results where there's brokenness, there's scarcity, there's harm, there's deficiency, there's weird twitchy behaviors, awesome, like things that we do that are kind of weird, you know, like, you know? <laughs> and you're like, what does that mean? Well, 
I think I want us to think about those things because if we're following and we have those results, then we have to question, what am I following that's leading to those results? I had an interesting conversation with a friend recently, a new friend. I was kind of getting to know, we're getting to know each other and we have some common interests and stuff. And, and uh, I was like, I remember I said to her, I said, you know, um, I said, you know, I just want to be clear that, you know, we're, we're friends and, and that, you know, everything's good and strong. And, and I, you know, I, I really appreciate you and I value your friendship and hopefully, you know, will you, are you my friend? You know, and she's like, yeah. You know, I mean, we're in our 50s. Why are you doing this? This sounds like you're like five, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and I think sometimes when we have trauma in our background, that trauma is the voice that we follow. And so I'm saying that because I said, well, the reason I'm bringing this to your attention is because, you know, when I was in kindergarten, <laughs> I had a teacher tell my parents that I wasn't very socialized wasn't well socialized. I could be around adults, but I didn't do well with peers, right, five-year-olds. So um, I had one of our babysitters then took me door to door in our neighborhood and, and rang the doorbell, hey, do you have anybody this girl's a little age? Because she needs friends. She doesn't have any friends. <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> that explains a lot, doesn't it? <laughs> saying all that to say that I think sometimes we those we have when we have thievery when we act twitchy like me telling that lady whatever friend hey will you be my friend <laughs> it's that twitchy stuff and it's trauma and it's not the shepherd it's the sham ultimately it's the thief who comes to steal to kill and you know in the Greek this is really interesting it's to steal to kill and to annihilate, to make as if you weren't even around. You were never on the planet. That's the enemy of your soul, the counterpoint to the good shepherd. And so I think when we have behaviors, if, when we see results in our life that are broken, that are weird, that are wacky, that are dysfunctional, and you're like, well, why do I do that? Well, it's possible that you're following a sham and not the shepherd. And when I follow Jesus, when I stay in love with Jesus, then things are right-sized. Everything's level set. There's life, there's peace, there's health, there's truth, there's vibrancy. And not only in me, but also through me. I'm not perpetuating the weird, tweaky, you know, broken. I'm not passing that on. Instead, I'm letting the life of Christ flow through in me and through me. I want Jesus to be my shepherd. I think you do too. I don't want to follow. And, you know, we can follow all kinds of good people, nice people, good, da-da-da, all that stuff. It's good, generally. But if we're not keeping Jesus as the front and center, the crosshairs, the crosshairs, then there's a good chance that we might be following a stranger. We might be having a hireling. There might be a thief. There might be a, a robber, a bad person. It might be a wolf. And you don't know any of those 
Because, you know, the enemy disguises himself as an angel of light. Looks good. But you know the, 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 out, out, the outcomes. You know what you're following by the outcomes. And so let's look in our lives. Let's inventory. And let's look and see. Am I, is, it, is it Jesus leading me in this situation? Is it Jesus leading me in, in this conversation? Is it Jesus leading me in this relationship? Is it Jesus leading me in the job center? Is it, is it the background that I have? Is it maybe some of the trauma? Is it some of the effects of some weird parenting scenarios? Or what, is it might be some teacher that messed you up in school or a coach or whatever. It might be a religious person, a leader, a pastor that hurt you. And I, I know this beyond a shadow of a doubt. How many times people come to church and then they drop out of church because they got hurt from church? Well, when you walked in, you brought hurt. Guess what? <laughs> the whole, whole, we're, we're human. And knowing and getting involved around each other, sometimes that humanity is what hurts. But ultimately, I'm not looking at humans. and hum If I'm looking horizontally for vertical resolution, good luck. <laughs> You're just going to perpetuate humanity. We don't need more humanity. We need more Jesus. And so let's keep in love with Jesus. Let's keep Jesus, the author, the perfecter. Author meaning the beginning, Jesus, the perfecter, the end, and everything in the middle. The author and the perfecter of our faith, that we're in love with Jesus, and he is our good shepherd. Amen. As you keep reading in John 10, the very first six verses, Jesus kind of does an introduction. You're like, was that an intro? No, we're, we're in the heart of the message, so you don't need to get nervous. <laughs> But Jesus does this kind of introduction. And remember, he's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to religious leaders. And in verse 5, a stranger, they simply will not follow, but they flee from the stranger because they don't know the voice of a stranger. Then in verse 6, this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them. They didn't understand what the things were he, was been, he had been talking about, he had been saying to them. So in verse 6, they're like, can you explain? We don't get it. It doesn't make sense to us. So then from verses 7... Through 18, Jesus explains. He goes into more depth. He expands. He expounds on what he's saying. And he says, I am the door of the sheep. All who come in before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep don't hear them. I am the door. And I want us to be really conscientious. Whose voice are we listening to? Who's informing our decisions? Who's influencing our perspective, our outlook? Who, who's, who's talking on the inside, our voices? And what are, we, what are we attracted to? What's appealing to us? Why is that appealing? These are all things I think are super, super important. Jesus says in verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. Jesus, our shepherd, leading us in and out. So rich, so kind, so gracious. The thief, verse 10, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is hired hand and not a shepherd is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my own and my own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for the sheep. This is Jesus. Jesus talking about 
how much he loves us, how much he cares for us, how good he is for us, the shepherd of our soul. You know, if you think in, in Luke 15, Jesus talks three parables about lost. And the first parable he talks about lost is the lost sheep. The shepherd goes and retrieves the one lost and brings it back to the 99 who were there. And I like that about Jesus, is he continually is looking, are you lost? Did you lose the plot? <laughs> Did you lose my voice? You know, it's interesting. We have, we have a, what's that one when we sit, walk in a room and we say so-and-so, oh, Alexis, turn on the lights. Do you know that one? Anybody do that? My daughter has that. Alexis, turn on the lights, and, uh, and then the lights come on, especially if it's her voice. But I think I want us to appreciate that Jesus is our shepherd and we are Alexis listening to him. <laughs> and we recognize his voice, right? He walks into a situation and says, hey, Sarah, this is, this is shady. Hey, Sarah, this, this scenario, this voice, and the contrast. My voice is going to give you life, hope, peace, fullness, vibrancy, energy, vitality. Other voices are going to deplete and turn the lights down, dim, make things kind of moody. <laughs> and you don't need that. But I want to encourage you as well. It's interesting because there is a phenomenon, and it is called voice blindness. Voice blindness. Now, I've, I've experienced this idea in terms of visual blindness, you know, and I, I used to snowboard a lot, and uh, it was interesting because there are times when you would have what was called flat light, and it was the, the light in the sky was the same color as the snow on the ground, the same color, right? So you couldn't differentiate what was ground and land or air. So that could be a problem, right, when you're snowboarding and you're going fast. <laughs> where am I? What am I doing? And you always couldn't tell, like, exactly where you were. But, and so you were like, it was light. It was a weirdness with the light, and it would mess up your eyes. You had to wear special goggles. But I think the same, similar kind of thing can happen with your ears and hearing because there's hearing blindness, hearing deafness. And it's interesting because, and it's actually a scientific term. I could tell it to you, but who cares? Um, <laughs> it's a scientific term of voice blindness where you don't recognize a voice. You know, when somebody calls you on the phone, you don't even need caller ID for some people, right? You're like, oh, that's them. They can walk in the room and you know the voice instantaneously. But there are times, and interestingly enough, voice blindness, voice deafness, scientifically, when it happens, it comes from an injury. It comes from an injury. An injury either to the head or to the ears, where there's something that impacts. And I think that's what the enemy really tries to do, is make you deaf to the good shepherd, and you don't recognize. And it happens a lot of times from something that hurts, a bad situation, a bad experience, and then it's hard for you to pinpoint Jesus' voice. But I want to tell you that Jesus can heal your hearing. Jesus can recalibrate, recalculating, <laughs> right? And can reset and can come in and say, here, this is my voice. This is, and I'm going to, I remember I was four or five years old running around the church on a weekday because I had run of the church, right? Because I was a pastor's kid. I ran all over the place and did whatever I wanted. Weekday, nobody cared. And I was running. I remember there was this long hallway in our church way back in the day. 
long hallway. And you know, when you're four and five, everything is big, right? And everything's really, his long, long hallway. And I would run around the church, and this was one of the most ph phenomenal experiences. I think it helped calibrate me when I was little. I would go into the sanctuary. Nobody's in there. And it's, you know, whatever, middle of the day. And maybe there was, I would go in, sometimes they'd be putting like the communion things together, or filling the little, you know, offering, whatever, envelopes. But I would go, and I remember going in the sanctuary when I was little, and I would go to these various places in the room. And I remember feeling, I was like, ooh, I can sense God here a whole lot. But I didn't sense, there were areas where I sensed God more when I was little, in that room. And it was very, very soothing and comforting to me. I remember sitting in one area, I was like, oh man, I really sense God. And I remember even little thinking, is it, who sits here normally on Sunday? Is it because of that person? <laughs> you know, and I was like, but I just felt God. And there were areas where I was like, nope, I don't sense God there. And, and those were super helpful to me to kind of calibrate, even little, to say, okay, this is God's voice. But I remember one time I was running in the hallway upstairs, and it was a dark hallway, and the hallway was scary to me, like super scary. At the end of it was the bathroom, right? So you had to go down there. And this yucky little like fountain water faucet that was nasty. And then there was also, then in the back back, it was uber dark and super scary, was where the stairs went down to the baptismal. Totally scary. I mean, I was like, Whoa! you know, like, run! <laughs> and so I remember walking down that hallway, and I, I didn't like it because it was dark, and you had to go and go to the bathroom there or, you know, find another one in the building. But I, was, I remember I was walking down the hallway, and I was talking, and I felt like I was talking with God, but I had this, like, stop. And I was what? And I felt, and I, I know without a shadow of a doubt, it was Jesus talking to me saying, that's not my voice, Sarah. That's not my voice. This is the stranger's voice, Sarah. And, and I was like, and I started to, even little, I was like, what, what that voice was saying wasn't consistent with what I knew Jesus was saying. And I felt like God said to me, I'm trying to voice recognition early on. So you can, you can navigate, you can recognize. So you have that internal awareness that you're my sheep. And the voice of a stranger you don't follow. And if that's true for me as a little kid, I think that can be true for all of us. And for all of us in the room, sometimes we, you may have lost the plot some. You followed a stranger's voice. And you're like, yeah, I can go back in my life and look at, missed it there. Yep, I was following a stranger there. But ultimately, you're here in this room at this time, in this moment, at this day. Because Jesus has invited you to hear his voice well and to continue to walk and follow and let him lead and stay in cadence with Jesus, your good shepherd. And so as we finish kind of thinking through this, I'll bring your attention back to Psalms 23. Because Psalms 23 is a shepherd's psalm, right? And in Psalms 23... I think it's so helpful. And it's a common psalm. We've read it a million to two billion times. But just because it's common doesn't mean it's, it's not worthful, worth, worthy or helpful. And so I want us to take just some moments and think about this. The Lord is my shepherd. And everything that means. <laughs> when, I, when I wander... 
not if, because sometimes I wander, I lose a plot, I get distracted. Um, college basketball is problematic for me. That's a time when I can be tempted to wander. March Madness, when it's like really good, high quality basketball tournament for college basketball. Holy buckets, it's borderline idolatry for me. <laughs> You're like, really? Well, I think you have your own version of whatever it is, right? I'm just telling you my version. But the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord. And I want to remind you that, and just take you for just a quick minute, in Genesis chapter 2 and chapter 3, well, starting off even in 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, God created the earth, it's interesting to consider that the word that is used for God in Genesis 1 and 2 when he is creating is Elohim. But when God begins to create man, mankind, and starts, remember, when God created, he spoke. But with man, he formed. He got his fingers and hands in the mud, got dirty <laughs> to make man. And instead of God being Elohim, God's name is different when it's talking about humanity. And it is the name Lord. In, in English, we say Yahweh. And that's the same word here. Because God, Elohim, all-powerful, all-creative, the magnificent, creative universe, everything, and remember as well, same, is personal. It gets into the, into the muck, into the mire. It gets his hands, their hands, messy with us. The Lord is my shepherd. And shepherds do all the yucky, murky, you know, they, they help sheep have babies. They, you know, they're, shepherding is, is not pristine. You know, you're wearing, like, great clothing. Shepherd is messy, dirty work. It just is. And a shepherd goes out, and they may not smell good, look because they're with sheep all the time, for Pete's sake. But the Lord is our shepherd. I shall not want. If Jesus is our shepherd, sorry, I'm trying to make that, accentuate that point. <laughs> Kept you a little perky. Um, if Jesus is our shepherd, then our wanting, whatever it is that we strive for, our desiring, whatever drives us, we really need to think about that. Am I trying to achieve significance and purpose? And, you know, am I trying to feel important? Because if Jesus is my shepherd, I don't want. I'm settled. I'm sheep. He's shepherd. It's good. I don't want. Because he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Quiet, soothing, restful. You know, sheep has to have that kind of quiet water. Otherwise, they can't get any. They can't drink. When it's too fast, they can't get it because of the way their mouths are shaped. So still waters. And I think sometimes in our frenzied, pace-driven world, you know, like, run! And I think it's time sometimes to pause and let Jesus be the shepherd of our soul. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Not NCAA basketball. 
no matter what I say. It doesn't restore my soul. It makes me anxious when my teams lose and people go in the portal and they don't stay on the same teams. It's a problem. <laughs> Jesus guides me in the paths of righteousness. You know, on a personal level, just being really honest with you, I think when, you know, my behavior, I was thinking about this, asking my friend, hey, will you be my friend, you know? I'm in my mid-50s asking and having that flashback to being five years old, door to door, you know? And I, I just felt Holy Spirit say to me, Sarah, that's a trauma path in your mind. Let me lead you in paths of righteousness. Let me reformulate those neural pathways. Let me speak into some of that injury, some of that hurt, and some of those things that you just do routinely, instinctually, automatically, that are not informed by Jesus, your shepherd. It's informed by other things, thief, liar, stealer, all that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Interesting, in this one it says, the valley of the shadow of death. It's the valley of deep darkness. No matter where I walk. And it can be not only like physically walking. I go to places in the world that are pretty shady. <laughs> <laughs> I go to some really, like, why? Um, I do something called night care. I look after babies and toddlers of sex workers in developing countries. Um, so I go to brothels in, like, um, countries that are super, super poor. And you're like, why are you in the brothel? Because I'm looking for the babies and toddlers so that I can offer them night care. Night care is where they bring, we have a night care center, and they bring their baby and toddler um, to us. We give them a bath, give them dinner, play with them a little bit, set them down for the night, put them down to go to sleep, and moms collect them in the morning after she's done working. And some of you are like, well, why don't you help the moms? I get it. And there's hundreds of organizations that will help the moms, but you'll not find one organization to do the babies. And do you think those babies signed up and said, ooh, ooh, please, I want to live in this environment. This is magnificent. No. So I go to those dark places. I'm looking for babies and toddlers because I want to bring genuine love, right? And even though I walk through the valley, and you're like, well, I don't do that. But you have your own dark valleys, dark shadow, deep, deep darkness. Sometimes it might be, family, we're coming up to the Christmas season. <laughs> your valley of deep darkness might be your family. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, here we go. It's that time of year again. <laughs> right? And we're all like laughing kind of nervously. Ah. <laughs> but remember, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Jesus can help. Jesus can help. And the rod and the staff was kind of a shepherd's tool to protect the sheep from any kind of predator, from any kind of attack, from the thief, the robber, the, the one that was going to abandon, to brutalize. And the enemy wants to and can work through places and situations and people. But Jesus can protect you. His rod and his staff, they comfort you. Verse 5, Jesus prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. We all have enemies. But Jesus says, that's okay. I can prepare a table for you, even in the midst of them. 
people who don't like you, enemies, struggles, difficulties. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is Jesus, our good shepherd. This is John 10. And if you look at it, if you want to get real specific with what he's doing and explaining, go from verses 7 through verse 18. Because this is who we are and who Jesus is with us. He leads us. He guides us. He protects us. He provides for us. He is kind. He helps us grow. He helps us mature. He's the good shepherd for our souls, for our hearts, for our lives. Surely goodness and mercy, loving kindness follow us all the days of our lives. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want Jesus to be your good shepherd and my good shepherd. Anybody on board for that? And I just ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. Maybe um, put your hand on your heart. Because this is a heart thing. Jesus being the shepherd of our hearts. And I just thank you, Jesus, that your loving kindness endures forever. I thank you, Jesus, that you help us to follow and walk with you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, as a spirit of truth, that you would be the beacon and the alarm when we're listening to a stranger's voice, when we're following a thief or robber, when we're listening to a hireling or a stranger. Holy Spirit, alert us because we want to follow Jesus. That's the core desire in our hearts is to follow Jesus. And I thank you, Jesus, that you lead us. You lead us in paths of righteousness. You restore our souls. You repair and you redeem things that the enemy meant for evil. Jesus, turn, transform, and use for good. And Jesus, we lift up our lives to you as sheep. We don't want to follow shams. We want to follow you as our shepherd, our good and kind, loving shepherd. So thank you for helping us with this, directing our steps and guiding us. And we say that you are today our good shepherd and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. Thank you, Jesus, for leading us and helping us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I want to minister just a verse or two here at the end. I know I love, one of the things I love about this church is, is the free flow of gifts, gifts of Holy Spirit, right? In uh, 1 Corinthians 12. And so I love to minister verses, and you're welcome to give me feedback after the service, not real time. <laughs> I had somebody do that real time. They're like, yeah, that's not right. And I'm like, could we do that later? <laughs> it helps kind of like, you know. And I don't, I don't pretend to be perfect at all, at all. Flawed human, make mistakes. But I'm perfect is for heaven, practices for earth. So when I get it right, you know, I'm moving and making progress. If I miss it or I'm a little bit off, it means I'm practicing and I'm getting better. So I have grace for me and I figure, hey, we're all growing and we're learning and wanting to follow Jesus. So the verse I have is for this lady through here. And you have glasses and, and brown hair. I think you have on like a pattern jacket. You're nodding kind of like, like smirking, you know it's you. Um, so the verse I have for you is Psalms 41, verse 1. 
And it says, how blessed is he who considers the helpless? The Lord will deliver him in the day of trouble. And I feel like Holy Spirit wants to encourage you that there's some things that are happening in your life that are difficult, troublesome. Um, and in those scenarios, look for those people or, or situations that seem helpless. Because as you participate and contribute and, 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 and help in that, those hopeless, helpless situations, people, God's saying, I'm gonna, you're going to see that also translate into delivering you from some of that troublesome, the day of trouble. And there's some, some stresses and some anxiety and, you know, I'm uncertain, unclear. Just, and some things that just kind of make you a little antsy. And God's saying, look for where you can help. Look for where you can invest. Look for where you can participate. Because as you do that, and as you kind of settle in and, and add value, you're going to see that trouble decrease and it's going to be a little bit proportional. The more you help, the more the trouble decreases. The less you help, the more the trouble seems to increase. And it's not even so much externally, but just what you sent in your heart, some of the anxiety. And so God's saying to you, look to help, look to add value, look to invest, because that's the, te that's the ticket. That's the ticket in terms of decreasing the, the anxiety and the trouble and the difficulty, the hardship, and, and even sometimes maybe even panic attacks. I don't know. But God's saying to you, if you look to help, then the trouble will decrease. But when you, when you kind of pull away from helping, that's when you see the trouble. And it's kind of like a seesaw. So if you want one to go down, then make the other go up. And then you'll see God really. And God will encourage you and show you some cool things, revelations of who God is as you help and as you contribute, as you participate. So just be encouraged that God is saying, I have a way for you um, that can decrease trouble. And it's by helping and participating, adding value. So you can give me some feedback on that afterwards. That would be great, not in the real moment. <laughs> and then uh, I want to minister as well. Um, yes. Okay. Um, this is in uh, Philippians. Uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, 2, verse 13. Yeah. And it says, it's for this lady back through here. You have on a white shirt, brown hair. You're sitting next to a guy and, yep, just waves at me. Thank you. Um, verse I have for you is Philippians 2, 13. It says, for it is God who is working in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And God's giving you some desires, the, 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 the will, to have the desire. God is working in you to will. And some of the desires that you have, you're like, that seems kind of weird and random, kind of left field. But God's saying, don't, don't kind of dismiss that like a pizza dream. Listen to that. Pay attention. Because part of that, part of those desires go in complement with God's plans and purposes for your life, God's will. God is at work in you both to will, have the desire, and to do. So not only is God encouraging you, listen to some of those desires, they seem left field, like off, off center. What, where, where did that come from? But then also listen, and then I'm going to tell you as well how to do. Because sometimes you've had those desires, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. I mean, it's interesting, and I think it's a God-given desire, but I have no idea how to, how to turn that into a reality. And God is saying, if you will listen to me, I'm going to give you the in incremental steps 
And I think maybe sometimes you want like the whole plan, you know, everything plotted out and laid out in sequence and structure, timeline, and perfectly organized into like program management. And God is saying, I'm the ultimate programmer, so trust my management <coughs> to be one step at a time, one day at a time, one obedience at a time. And as you do that, you'll see God kind of unfolds each, each step, each way. But remember this, you can't steer a parked car. So just because you don't have the full process and, you know, steps and procedures and, and program management for everything, don't let that stop you from taking a step. Because as you move, as you step, as you do something, then God can start to steer and guide and open and, and bring in the right people, the right connections. But waiting, and sometimes we're like, well, I'm waiting on you, God. And he's like, yeah, I'm waiting on you too. Start moving, and, and then I can, steer, I can steer. But if you're, if you're stationary, I can't steer a parked car. So let's get moving. And even if you miss it a little bit and you kind of veer a little bit, it's okay. It's better than, than not doing anything and waiting. And you're like, well, I just don't want to miss the mark. Well, let God direct because when you're moving, then God can direct. But when you're not moving, it's hard to, for God to direct. So God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure, plans, purposes, and designs for your life. So listen to the desires and stay in step with the, the each, each obedience um, and let God work out the timeline. I think maybe sometimes we want it to move faster or it's going, but just let God m manage the pace, the pace of, of the process and the pace of each step. And just keep doing, keep moving, keep pushing, keep going forward and keep listening to the desire. And uh, God will absolutely direct and, and guide your path and fulfill the desires that he puts in you. So be encouraged with that. All right, a couple last things to let you know. I have some resources back there, how to keep your faith in an upside-down world. Does the world seem topsy-turvy? Absolutely. And then uh, how do you keep your faith in that? And then this is my latest one called The Missing Man. This one is, like, phenomenal. Like, I'm really excited. I think I might actually do, preach this maybe in the next service, possibly. But this is one of the best things I've written, and it'll be immense, immense blessing to you. So thank you. God bless you. I think, Jeremy, we're going to have some worship now. Thank you so much. God bless. Amen. Good morning, church. Um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 says, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. I just feel like there's some here that the weaknesses that you have in your life that are staring at you and that voice of shame and that voice of guilt and fear. And instead of allowing Jesus to bring the light to you, you've, you've tried to hide just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. They hid from the presence of God and they tried to cover it up with fig leaves. And you're trying to cover up your weaknesses with your performance and your good works. But the end result is it's never enough. And I feel like the Lord is saying, don't hide your weaknesses. He knows. He understands exactly what you're going through. Every emotion, every pain, every trauma, everything. He knows that. And let him bring the light of his love. And let him heal you today. Let him heal your heart. Let him restore your soul right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, church.
we hear the we hear the message my sheep hear my voice amen we all are sheep right but some of us may think how can i differentiate the voice from god and holy spirit and the world we are living in a, we are bombarded with so many voices from this world right how many of you uh, know about the old school the transistor radio if you try to tune to certain station it's really hard right because we get the station near next to that 90. if you try to tune 90.5 you get from 90.4 90.3 is different station so it's really hard it's a digital world it's so easy to tune into the right thing but the same way to listen to the voice of god god gave me a verse proverbs 4 20 my son pay attention to my words incline your ears to my sayings do not let them deviate from your eyes keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them and healing to all his flesh so how you meditate to incline when you read a verse in the morning or you know your meditation time just while you at work or whatever you're doing just think about that verses think about it like a cow eat the grass and lay it down and chew the grass right so you just keep meditate the same words the holy spirit will speak to you through that words the same way if you do that practice in your life you will come to know which is the voice from god which is the voice from holy spirit which is the voice from the strangers so you can walk and hear and lead and guide your life according to his voice amen praise god